art can mean different things to different people. For me, it's all about the joy of creating. So if you draw, paint, write, dance, sing, craft, play air guitar, or even sculpt using nothing but mashed potatoes, consider yourself an artist and join the conversation. For the next half hour, meet the artist, learn about their inspiration, and enjoy the beauty of creativity. Welcome to Art Talk with John Cole Artist. I have to unmute us, otherwise nobody's going to hear us talk. Good evening, everyone. My name is John Cole Artist, and welcome to Art Talk. Tonight, I have the privilege to speak with Beth Nagel Griffin. She is a wonderful artist, um, wonderful person from New Hampshire. So as I noted in Facebook, tonight is very special because it is my first ever New England Art Talk. Beth, before I get to you, I've got to do probably one of the most important things for this show. It's just what makes this show so good. And that is turning on the REM pod because you never know. So let's get this baby in shape. And maybe with a little luck tonight, somebody will come through. And we'll put it right over there. Beth, how are you this evening? I am well. Fingers crossed that we get a guest. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of cool. I mean, I have, um, you know... I've, probably for a different podcast. I mean, I used to paranormal investigate a lot, right? And so I have a lot of these kind of tools and devices and stuff. But uh, yeah, so far, this one's been pretty quiet. Yeah, it's a creative endeavor, but you never know who might show up. So exactly. So I was hoping maybe you could um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself to, to get us going this evening. Would you mind? Okay. I, I don't mind at all. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks for everybody. Um, for joining John and I. Uh, I. This is truly my honor to work with John and have a conversation with him tonight. And yeah, so you know my name. I do live in New Hampshire. Uh, avid Bruins fan, fingers crossed for next year. I've been doing artwork since I can remember. It's been a part of my life and there's been ups and downs of when I'm more active and when I'm less active with it. I've lived in New Hampshire for 30 years. I'm an adventurer. I love to travel both in my heart, in my mind, and in my body. I'm a mom and an intuitive shamanic Reiki life coach. Well, that's a mouthful. I tell you what, that must, sure is. must be hard to put on a business card. It doesn't go on a business card. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Anna's with us tonight. She says, hi, John and Beth. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much hi, for Anna. watching this evening. Yeah, I appreciate thank it. you. Uh, as is someone named Christine Daigle Cole. Hmm. Ah, I recognize the name. Yeah, she's been on a couple times. I, I don't know if she's stalking me or she's doing something. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but hi, Christine. Thank you very much for tuning in to watch tonight. So we, um, we talked a little bit uh, before we went live tonight, and of course, maybe a week, week and a half ago, um, I think maybe two weeks ago, we talked a little bit about, about art in general and, and things like that. One of the, one of the things that came up um, was something that interesting, an interesting thing that you said was art is a pathway. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about what that means, because um, I mean, I've got my own opinions and perspectives on mm -hmm. that, right? Um, you know, my history just really, really quick is I had art in high school. So that was in the 80s. And then I joined the Coast Guard. And then 35 years later, I decided to do art again. So I had this huge gap in between. 
Um, so my pathway got diverted a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But if we could talk a little bit about what you meant by that, that would be kind of interesting to, to hear your perspective. Sure. Uh, I think because we're all um, born with uh, just an innate sense of creativity. It's really what it's all about. It's a human endeavor to express ourselves uh, through creative skill and imagination. It, it just happens, you know, we start with scribbling to express ourselves and we learn that, oh, wow, we can, you know, make these marks, right? And then we move on to um, basically making symbols and we move from there to pictures that tell stories. So we have the world around us and we're trying to make meaning of it, right? Mm -hmm. So that expression comes out in pictures that tell stories. We're sorting stuff out and we have this language of imagery usually. And for some kids it's song or dance or a combination of all of it. And then we start to broaden our, how we see the world and we start to see landscapes and we do that. And then as we develop um, our schematic drawings, our basic understandings start to become more real. We, uh, realism becomes a big influence and we start making things more complex. And at about age 10, something happens. We start realizing that we want to do things right. Hmm. And a lot of children between age 10 and the adolescent years will stop drawing or they'll stop expressing themselves through visual arts or right. the performing arts. So naturally, it's a path for us. Life events, um, as we develop cognitively, we start to shut that down. But do we really? I think we just diverge because we never really lose our imaginations. No, no, we don't. Right? Right, right. And for some people, it may show up in how they creatively write a story because we're very familiar with the ABCs and text and language. So writing becomes more of a comfort zone for people rather than drawing. Because oftentimes art is elevated to this thing up here. It's only for artists. Right, right. Yeah. And I don't think that's really true. Um, and that's why a lot of people, they express themselves in how they dress or how they present their food or what they cook or mm -hmm. they express themselves in activism. There, There is a need to express. And later on in life, I think when people start to do the work of being more comfortable with themselves or becoming a little bit braver with doing that work, that's when they'll start to return to visual, the visual arts that they were able to embrace as a child, like yourself going back to drawing and painting. Right. Um, and for some other people, it might be as simple as going to a paint and sip or taking um, a mosaic class where everything is, you're given the rules. And at the same time, you're learning how to step outside that box of what is right and accepted and just have fun with it. 
reclaim that childhood joy that was really ours to begin with. Right. Yeah. And does that make sense? And it does. For, it does. Yeah. And for some people, it might be gardening. You know, that's how they express themselves or they build hot rods and that's how they express themselves. <laughs> right. So we have all these different ways to get this beautiful um, need to express ourselves out and do it in creative and imaginative ways. Right. I think, yeah, I think that whole idea of creativity, I mean, that's really... Because, I mean, if you take the word art and just throw it out the window for now, right? Because I think you're right. I think one of the things that I myself have struggled with for the last couple years or so is calling myself an artist. Um, because the work that I do is nowhere nearly as good as, in my opinion, right? As a Picasso or a, a Goya or a Renoir, right? Nowhere near that. I mean, the odds of you seeing something that I paint hanging up at the Boston Museum of Fine Arts is probably negligible, okay? Is it possible? Oh yeah, it's always possible, right? Who knows, maybe I'll get lucky one of these days and paint this beautiful masterpiece. But the problem is to call myself an artist in my mind makes me feel like I need to be that good. Right. But that's not true. That is, and, and we've, talked about these types of things before, um, you know, because both Beth and I, we participate in a um, yeah. coaching program with Allison Roberts. And one of the things that came up was about not only about comparisons, but also about defining uh, who you are, the authentic you and things like that. And I think a lot of us, as we do get older, do tend to compare ourselves, the things that we do, well, I can't be this, I can't be that, when in reality, we are that, and we are doing those things. It's just that there's a fear involved there. And I know that's a very, that's a whole bunch of things to throw out there, but I think it does support that idea that, um, uh, you know, as far as a pathway goes, you know, you, you mentioned age 10, right? When when there's like this this, I don't want to call it a decision point, but there's clearly some kind of uh, I think it was cognitive you mentioned, right? And yeah, it, it's a divergence. Right. Really. And would that be, yeah. and that divergence, would that be based on like parental support and things like that or educational it, support? All of the above. Okay. You know, it, it really look at the environment that, that shapes a person. Right. Um, and some of us are, are, are born with a natural, um, we, we naturally see differently hmm. um, or we see, in a perspective that allows us to see possibilities mm -hmm. and we are comfortable with the artistic expression, whether we're encouraged or not. Um, and then others uh, are not so comfortable. And that's where I think support in learning, like, would you, oh, you love to draw. Would you like art lessons? And oh, by the way, did you know artwork is really about seeing? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. really about observing and understanding shapes and planes and contours and how colors work together, that sort of thing. Those are all skills that a person can learn. And as we learn skills, we build confidence. Right. So back to your point, if we're in an environment that supports that, sure. I would say that our um, 
success rate for that pathway is going to be greater than if we don't. That's like, you can't even draw a straight line. You know, why are you bothering? Right. You know, you always right. color outside the lines. That's going to create a different mindset going forward with somebody's confidence in expressing themselves through art materials mm -hmm. or possibly in general. Right, right. Um, I'd like to, in a second, bring up some pictures here, but really quick. Uh, Laura says, hi, beautiful souls. And Laura, I spoke with her uh, two weeks ago, last week? Must have been last one. week. Great. Yeah, yeah. so Great she was podcast. on the show. So thank you, Laura. And Lucinda Bentley. Hi, Lucinda. Matter of fact, she was on the show as well. So I was going to say, all these creative people saying yeah. hello. Thank you. And now that I think about it, Anna was. So the only one I'm missing that yeah. has commented so far is Christine. So I got to get her on the show. Absolutely. Um, yeah, art is a life pathway. It's such an interesting thing. And, you know, the the you had also mentioned something earlier that that's worth mm -hmm. talking about, too, is um, that idea that and this is this this is actually really interesting now that I think about it. So you got kids, you have them in school, um, you give them or hire a piano teacher to teach them piano, right? Um, you might have children that are interested in dance, so you send them to a dance studio. Uh, you've got a child that loves sports, so you get them involved with little league or football or soccer or something like that. But if you have a child that wants to create using, you know, your, your, your paint sets and things like that, I don't think that exists right now, does it? I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone hiring a art coach for their child. Well, I think it takes a certain individual. I, had someone inquire of me a few months ago to really? uh, work with uh, a 12 year old mm -hmm. on art. He very interested in art. Um, they felt he could benefit by individual instruction. And we decided it, it wasn't going to work out for a couple of different reasons, but yes, I think there are people who do recognize the benefits and also importance of having that sort of one-on-one -on -one instruction because as a one-on-one -on -one coach I think usually you're hiring an artist who hopefully is also a good teacher because mm -hmm. uh, the, the two can be different and also understands kids um, to be able to to work with them and that might mean you know going on a field trip or right. having fun meeting them where they are, not stretching their limits and understanding that they're going through stuff too. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to it. Um, I think it does happen, but it's unusual. I think yeah. for people of our age that would have had that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, it just was interesting. It happened to pop into my head. I just, I'm thinking yeah. that why is that? Cause I growing up, I mean, all the other things were available, uh, but just not that, that I remember. I also think too, John, that it goes back to um, subordinating the importance of art in our lives. Yeah. You would hire a math tutor mm. 
Yes. You'd hire a tutor for the SATs. Mm -hmm. uh, most parents would. Uh, you'd hire uh, tutors for academics. Right. Art, music, private tutors, not so much unless you were a really invested parent and saw how your child really wanted to do this. Right. Ah, Jim, yes, in a fellow artist that I've known for many decades, and he lives in Vermont, and I think there are areas yeah. that do support young artists as oh, well oh, yeah. as artists in their wisdom years. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I think that that is the case, um, but I just... Because because I get I get stuck on that ten year old divergence that you're talking about, you know. When I look yeah. back to when I was that age, and I think, I mean, I don't know if it was ten. I mean, I took art in high school, but I think I did that because I didn't play sports, right? So there were certain tracks that were available to me. One was art. Now it just so happens I liked it. You know what I mean? And I wasn't bad at it. And I think myself growing up, I always tended to be imaginative and creative because I spent most of my time running around the woods, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons and all those other weird stuff. Right. So the creativity never left me. Um, but I think at that age, I mean, that's really when I think if, if, if people really care enough about the arts, about, about traditional art, let's just call it that for the time being, that something like that really is an untapped market. I think there's potential there and a lot of opportunity. I, I absolutely yeah. agree. It's, those ages are such a time, such an important time when it comes to nurturance yeah. in so many levels, emotional, physical, um, intellectual, all of those things. And art is all of that. Right. When it's honored and respected, it's such a powerful language for anyone, young or old, to express what's in here, what, what, how they see their inner landscape and right. also how they see their outer landscape. Yep. And shared. Visual literacy is something we all share. It's not limited by language. We all tend to get it. And if mm -hmm. we don't get it, like if it's abstract, it still can evoke a feeling. Right. And it's a form of connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and, and, and to Jim's point, you know, in our town, artists thrive, young and old. I mean, there, I, I have lived in locations. I mean, I spent so long in the Coast Guard, I've lived all over the place. Um, and there are certainly communities that really do embrace the arts. And I applaud those communities because, especially when you're getting older in life, because I think that we have an opportunity as older adults to perhaps like I did, pick up where we left off or just exploring what it could mean to you. You know, that idea of, of you know, abstracts, that type of thing. The beauty of that artwork is it does allow you to put your emotions, thoughts, feelings into a physical description of what it is that you're all about in that moment or during that period. 
and it becomes meaningful to you. So, you know, you can take away that tendency of us like me specifically. And I've talked about this before on the show. It's, it's difficult for me to think abstract because mm -hmm. at some point in my childhood, I latched onto this realistic realism thing. And, and, and I, and I, and I, and I know that I did because I had painted for some, you know, my sister would remember this. I don't think too many people, I, I don't know too many people from my childhood anymore, but I had painted this huge Masonite board with, and maybe I was, I don't know, what's that word for it? Um, uh, I can't, I can't remember, but anyway, Material? no, it was a picture of a nuclear bomb with these ghost figures coming up the oh, sun. Okay. Yeah, uh, this very apocalyptic thought I had when I was a teenager or something. I don't know. You're channeling um, Hiroshima? <laughs> perhaps. I, mean, big, I don't know. Did a big art show on that, actually. The uh, art of the, the victims. It was pretty powerful. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. But I got so wrapped up in the realism on that that I ended up not enjoying it. When in reality, if I had somehow been able to, you know, put my feelings on that board, perhaps in a slightly more abstract way, uh, maybe I would have gotten my message across. But anyway. Um, okay. Well, I think you bring up a good point, John, that, um, you know, we, we censor our emotions and how we express them. You know, we, we do it even between interpersonal communication with mm -hmm. speaking and listening, we do it. And um, we often do it in artwork to keep it safe, Right. Yeah. You know, what people are going to, are they going to like it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think what it comes down to is um, developing that inner confidence that regardless of what anybody thinks, if it brings you joy or mm -hmm. it's getting your message out, that's the point. Yep. And the creative process, uh, I know can bring on, it, it really activates endorphins in people. It really can, when you're in the zone, you mm -hmm. just feel like, you know, you're there. And some of the best art is created. In fact, talk about judgment. I'm, I'd like to tell a quick story if I can. Absolutely. It was when I was in art school and I, I was trying to fill, it was a sculpture class because I was trying to fill in some credits, even though I was in the 3D fine arts, I was a ceramic major. And it was a summer class and the assignment was to bring in a fruit or vegetable to sculpt. And I was either working late the night before or out partying or both. So when I went to class the next morning, I grabbed a tomato out of my vegetable bin. It was probably the only thing that was in there because it was the college days. You know, I had that and a five pound bag of rice and a jar of peanut butter. Um, and I went to class and I walked in and my instructor, very accomplished sculptor looked at it and went really is that the best you could do and I was like okay yeah so you know we we're working in this plasticine clay and I fell into it it was just like I his words didn't hit me I just looked at the tomato and it's all about going back to that seeing mm -hmm. perceiving planes and you know I could have just you know balled up and like put a divot in the top and called it a tomato. When I really started looking at it, it's like, oh, it has a flat little plane there and it bulges out there. And there's 
three or four divots that catch the light on top. And two and a half hours later, I had an expression of this tomato as I saw it. Mm -hmm. And my instructor's name was Chuck. He came over. This was after class left because I actually had trouble like getting out of the assignment. And he said, wow, you really saw something I didn't see in that tomato. And it was an apology. So my point is, is that we all have moments of tomato, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when we're in that zone where you're feeling the connection between the thing that you're observing, the process that you're of creation that you're going through and the connection of the end result. It's there, you know, mm -hmm. all of us have those moments. So if that's what art is on any given day, if whatever you do was a process of observation, activation and expression, best day ever <laughs> yeah. yeah which is which is why you know when people talk about arts and crafts yes. you know crafts always seems to take this back seat but quite frankly they're both the same you know mm -hmm. I, I would argue that till the day i dropped dead is that arts and crafts are art i mean heck we had the arts and crafts movement back in the the 1800s right right after the industrial revolution they called it that for a reason because there were these two components the craftsmen right the ones that would make the furniture the things like that and then, of course, you have the fine artists. But that period really was a representation of what art is all about, because it was part of you. It was part of the person putting the effort into the piece. And, you know, the, the things that I have on my wall, like this picture here, and I've got some other ones up here. You know, many times people have said, well, why don't you sell them? They're like part of me. It's it's difficult, right? So it, it's it's... Which is why, you know, you almost have to split your brain a little bit and say, well, the art, this art here is me. Yeah, this art here is me too, but the intention is different. The intention here is to release it to the world, release it to the public, right? Sell it, do whatever, right? But some things just, you know, I look back on some of these paintings and I remember how I felt, where I was, why I did what I did. And it just, it would be like, you know, selling my fingers or something like that. I just can't do that. So. Yeah, that's a beautiful connection. And you bring up a great point because art for art's sake is, yes, we do create for ourselves. And mm -hmm. we also create to share that joy with other people or right. to share that feeling that someone might resonate with. And again, there's that connection, whether it's with ourselves or with others. And that's, for me, that's one of the things that art is about. Right. However we do it, whether it's sharing a meal or sharing our garden space or taking a ride and, you know, a car that someone built or viewing art or as one of your upcoming guests, hopefully, Christine will show that, you know, it can be a form of visually communicating. Right. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. It's spirit just, world. So it's all there. Broad, broad scope. And I'm not not paying attention to you. I wanted to just 
take a real I know we're 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 actually pushing up against 30 minutes already because Oh, we, wow, it went fast. I did very fast, but I wanted to go back to this this text message uh we had uh you had replied back on April 10th and you kind of gave me a summary of some different things. Sure. And um one thing I'd really like to just address before we go this evening is uh, the last sentence in one of the paragraphs, I'll be integrating art and shamanic Reiki, shamanic Reiki into my practice. What exactly are you thinking? Okay, so uh, my personal coaching, my um, intuitive coaching mostly focuses around people's relationship with food, because that's my experience. That's my background. Um, and it really does dovetail with the cognitive work that I learned um, as uh, for an adult teacher. My, mm -hmm. I have another background in art and adult learning. So combining all of it, uh, from a very early age, I've been intuitive and I've kept it quiet and I won't say denied it, but kept it personal. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until say the past five years and I'm realizing that it's something to share and a lot of my insight can be very helpful with other people. To work with that, I recently completed a shamanic Reiki level one and two. Works with energy. Shamanic Reiki is a little different because it calls in nature spirits and works with the nature energies. How does that relate to uh, my practice as a cognitive coach that focuses with food? Well, it's about the food, but it's not about the food. It's really about the thoughts that we have about ourselves and the stories we believe about our relationship with food. Energetic Reiki helps get down into those deeper layers to create healing mm -hmm. and using art with my clients helps allow that divergent form of expression where we can see all possibilities rather than limit ourselves to uh, solution-based pathways. You know, like, I know this, so I can follow this pathway to this solution because I know this pathway and it's safe. Mm -hmm. Well, if we loosen up a little bit and we start doing a little bit more exploratory things with working with spirit, working with our inner child, getting back to that space where realism isn't limited by what we've learned, but how we, the new thoughts we can come up with and the new feelings that we're willing to express. So it all works together. <laughs> it's like the art of balancing this and turning this into something that sounds incredibly unique, Beth. Body, really, mind, I mean, and spirit. Yeah. Thank you. So if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? You can go to my website, bethnagelgriffin.com. You can find me on Facebook. And that's really the best way. Some of you know my number. <laughs> Give me a call. Text me. Email me. They get the URL right, bethnagelgriffin.com. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. All right. So I want to thank you so much for spending probably the fastest 31 minutes and 40 seconds I've ever spent on doing one of these podcasts. Um, really good conversation. And, and I'd love to talk more about these things with you. So maybe at some point in the future, you'd be willing to come back on. 
I would love to come back. I love talking with you. I love your podcast. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. So next week, folks, uh, I'm now on a weekly schedule. So hopefully um, I'll be able to stick with the weekly schedule. Next week, I have artist Paulina Fedroska. I've never met her. I've only talked to her on the phone, but she sounds wonderful. She's a photographer, graphic designer, and an artist. And we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and its role in art. It's going to be an amazing episode. Um, Hopefully you guys can watch. And oh, last thing, Christine sends a bunch of hearts and faces and stuff like that. Thanks, Christine. We appreciate that. And until next time, folks. Thank you so very much for joining me on the Art Talk podcast, where it's my goal to bring artists together to talk about their craft. If you'd like to join me for a conversation, please reach out via email at johncoleartist at gmail.com or by visiting my website at johnrobertcole.com. So until next time, keep crafting, painting, and inspiring others with your creativity. You make more of an impact than you know. See ya.